Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 250. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot dashboards, search results, and user experience, plus some SEO checklist resources. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search to Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. Hi, Craig. Look, I'm okay, Ian. It's been one of those days where I was just low on motivation, low on energy. The only thing that kept me going through was knowing we were recording tonight, Ian. Getting the notes together. That's right. Your energy. Thanks to you. Getting me going again. Some weeks are like that. You just got to push through. Well, some days, maybe not weeks. Some days are like that. You just got to push through. I know. It is. It's harder when you're cold, I have to say. (laughs) Anyway, listeners, let's go on to our growth thought of the week. And can you believe it, Craig? Inbound 2021 is not far away. On in October, all online again. I think most listeners would be aware of that in case you're not. There you go. There's your reminder to go and register. That's right. And also, we have our 28-day marketing challenge that kicks off in July and the first cohort. We're taking registrations right now. Well, July is pretty much done, but August, people can register to join our August cohort. All right. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And HubSpot has released a beta for exporting your HubSpot user list. Remember we were chatting about this a couple of episodes ago? That's right. And just a tip, we had a Chrome extension to export out. Well, now they've got it in beta. You can just go and export out. Yay. Thanks, HubSpot. That's right. And also we have Shopify adding the ability to edit your robots.txt file. Can you believe this? I can't believe it's so exciting, Craig. I saw the announcement on Twitter saying, oh, you know, you can now edit your robots.txt file. I'm like, really? Like, Does that mean you couldn't up until now? Isn't this table stakes for every other CMS available? I couldn't believe it. But what was even more unbelievable was the excitement. People were sharing it like this was the best news they'd heard all year. Fantastic. You should – we've linked to Toby's – he's the CEO – his tweet announcing it. And then you should see the people piling on talking about how wonderful it is and this is a game changer. I'm like, what? Anyway, given that – I thought it was table stakes and many other people didn't realize it was such an amazing feature. We'll be talking about how you can, yes, you can do it in HubSpot. Talk about that now, marketing feature of the week. That's right. And then we also have A16Z launched a content platform, Craig. Well, I don't know if you follow Andreessen Horowitz, but um, yeah, it's like they're really pushing down the media link. It's kind of like everyone's a media company now, Ian. And look, there's a really good post from Mark Andreessen on there. Very positive take on how amazing technology is. I read it and I was like, yeah, he's right, you know. We are so lucky. Anyway, just go and read it. And it's it's a really good tonic to some of the negativity around tech at the moment. And now you can partition deal and ticket pipelines, but you need, I thought you needed the enterprise version, Craig. No, I think you can do it on pro. There you go. Have to double check that, but certainly their knowledge base says you can do it on pro. Okay. But the other thing is, so we're just one step closer, uh, yet something else you can't partition. And social. any decade now, Ian, <laughs> social. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, Craig. And listeners, if you're listening, I'm sure there's a community, um, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, community note that you can up, upvote. I'm sure there Correct. is. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is about editing your HubSpot robots.txt file. Let's just take a step back. What is a robots.txt file? 
Yeah, well, okay. But just let me preface, given it's such an amazing feature for Shopify, I thought we'd better at least indicate and confirm that you can do this in HubSpot. So to answer your question, the, uh, the robots.txt file, it's a little file, sits on the server, and it's a set of directives for Google and other crawlers for what they should and shouldn't crawl through on your site. So it doesn't bound them to that, but they it gives them guidance in, or hints as to what they should follow. So if there's some folders on your site, so you can actually see in some of the screenshots, we, we actually do proposals for our clients as web pages. So I just build a, a web page because uh, I've got a template set up for it. I put in videos, I put in details, I put in you know pricing tables, all kinds of things. So it's like a web page. I hide it with robots, actually a meta robots tag, but I also in our robots.txt file actually block crawlers from even going down there. So that's a good example. Another one might be your cart or checkout pages on an e-commerce store. They're the kinds of things that you would normally exclude in your robots.txt file. They've been around for ages. They're not a new feature or anything like that, but they just give you more control over your SEO, I guess, and over what Google indexes. And in HubSpot, very easy to get into, just under your website pages setting, go into the SEO and crawlers. You can just type in there and save them. And what's even better, if you've got multiple sites running off your portal, you can actually individually tailor them so that they can be um, tailored for each site. So really just a standard feature. I would never normally call this out as a feature of the week, but given that, you know, it maybe is something that people weren't aware of and well, maybe they will now get excited about as well. There you go. All right, onto HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is to do it emailing dashboard reports. And this really came from a customer of ours who's spending a couple of hours every week doing reports to send to their manager. And I said, I'm sure there's a better way to do this. So we created the dashboard with the reports. And then I said, can I email it to them? And they're like, oh, can we do that? And so we did. And then the next thing was like, can they have that in PDF? Yes, they can have it in PDF. And so we added that as an option. So listeners, if you've got a dashboard, you will see on the top right-hand side, the ability to share, I think it is, or email the dashboard. And you can then select a time period. You can select the owner. And there are a few other things that you can do, including putting the reports into a PDF or a PowerPoint or even having them downloadable as images in a zip file. But it's a great way to automate some reporting that happens often to managers without them having to do it. Now, a little gotcha, if you've got this download with the PDF or the PowerPoint, when they do go to download, it will ask them to log into HubSpot. So you need to make sure that that person exists inside your portal so they can get the reporting. All right, on to the HubSpot bonus tip of the week, Craig. Do you read the Databox blog at all? Rarely. Yeah. Look, they're hit and miss in my opinion, but uh, mostly they hit. Um, here's a post, mostly useful, I think. I, I agree. You and I were looking at it before. I think there's some really good tips in here. Not not every single one, but they've got a post on HubSpot CRM custom fields. And as is typical uh, format for Databox, they interview a whole bunch of users, uh, in this case HubSpot users, and ask how they use CRM fields. And the one I wanted to call out was automation overrides. I was glad to see this mentioned because we're increasingly doing this for clients, normally the more sophisticated clients, 
But on a contact record, you could have a field that says, yes, enroll in this workflow or no, take them out of this workflow or send this follow-up. And then you can just have workflow uh, workflow uh, series of emails set up. And I think it's really good with some salespeople are like, oh, no, I just record a few basic things. So you don't want to give them overrides. It's too challenging. But for the more sophisticated clients of ours, they're like, yep, yeah, use this. Oh, how do I get someone out of that? Oh, no worries. We'll create a custom field, turn this on or off or tick or whatever, and week in a workflow because the salespeople People don't want to be going into workflows and working out how things exactly. just trigger it. So that's the takeaway. And I guess I just wanted to remind listeners about this. Think about your processes and are there things that you could automate and then have overrides for? Because sometimes when we set up nurtures, clients get nervous. They're like, oh, we don't want everyone going into that. You know, we've got these certain scenarios we don't want happening. No problem. Automate it for 90%. Use overrides for the other 10%. All right. On to our hustle gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is to do with dashboard filtering. And I discovered this because I thought I'd create some dashboards using the new custom report builder. And then I'd... Hey, what do you think of the um, new dashboard layout? I, I actually love the dashboard layout. So, listeners, uh, you'd probably see when you're on a dashboard, you can filter it. There's a little filter dashboard at the top of the dashboard. And you can do this by date range, frequency, and owners. And one of the things I discovered was I created all of these custom reports and then thought I could filter them by owner for starters. And nothing was happening. And I was confused. And I discovered that there is an inability to filter dashboards for cross-object reports being one, then reports created by the new custom report builder, and anything to do with manual forecasting, quota attainment, weighted pipeline forecast, and deal revenue by size, sales, analytic reports. And there you have it. So what I had to do was create single-object reports, and that was then being able to be filtered down. I think this is going to be problematic. This is a user experience, a bad user experience for the reports because you've got filtering at the top that works on some of the reports but not others that's going to confuse people correct and then even though in each report there's a little description under the the report name yes. that indicates whether the filters applied it's easy to miss and so if you've got a cross object report there it's not going to apply. It's going to confuse people. I think this is a problem. I can understand why, because quite often if you go into those cross-object reports, they only go back 30 days or they're limited, and you might have your overall filter set to, well, 365 days, which it actually can't actually do. So I get it why the limitation's there, but I think this is going to be a problem. And unfortunately, I think people will look at some of the results on a dashboard make a call on it. They think they've set their, their time frame, oh, six months or a year, see some numbers, misquote them because they haven't understood. So I think this is going to be problematic. I think this is a good gotcha that you've highlighted. I don't know. I think I think it's going to need a better indication. That's right. A better on indication. The report itself when it's used on a dashboard. It needs to call it out clearly. The other thing I did think about doing, Craig, was to put it into a separate dashboard so it wasn't part of it the other reports in that dashboard and really clearly call it out so it couldn't be filtered. Yeah, but that's fine for you because you know about this gotcha. But other users who aren't aware, they won't know to do that. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway, don't get caught out by that, listeners. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is jobs to be done personas, Craig. 
how can I position this? Because I feel, and we've discussed on the show before, our kind of lack of confidence in personas in many cases. You and I have chatted about this. It's kind of like a persona. We, we actually don't really use the word personas anymore. We use audiences okay. most of the time with clients. But I've always had this uneasy feeling that marketing Mary was just not that helpful when it's all the details, trying to get inside the head of marketing Mary. All the demographics, here's how much she earns and here's the magazine she reads and this is what she does on the weekend with her kids and this is the car she drives. I'm just like, okay, I, I guess I understand marketing Mary, but there's always been a disconnect for me of like, how do I, how do I make that useful? How do I make it actionable? I get it because people will spend days working out personas and really getting to the heart of problems and pain points and things like that. I do get that, emotional triggers, but I haven't really ever kind of had a comfort with it. Anyway, I saw this thread from Matt Lerner on Twitter, and he talks about jobs-to-be-done-based personas. In fact, I don't know if he even calls them personas, but let's call it personas for this for this shot. And it finally came home to me when I read this because he's like, people are complex and they've got hundreds of problems they need solving. And so these traditional personas that really have all these demographics and criteria, it's like, well, hang on, how is that helping you hone into the particular problem specifically that you're solving? And so what he's done, he's just kind of flipped it over and said, look, what's the job to be done? I.e., what's the pain point at this point in time that needs solving? I think it's a really good approach. And in fact, I'm just changing a whole lot of our internal processes and how we talk with clients based on this. So this is the power of a Twitter thread, by the way, folks. You can get something like this. And now that I've read it, I'm kind of like, oh, this is so obvious. And I'm actually hoping half of our listeners go, oh, yeah, that's what I've always done. And I hope I've just missed it. But in case I'm not the only one, you think of it, and I've got a screenshot from his, uh, he's got a whole PDF and a little screenshot is just a sneak peek of it. And I, I encourage you to go and download it. And it's just asking a few questions about specific problems at that time. So for example, in if we were creating a jobs to be done persona, it might be for our um, listeners, how to get set up in HubSpot in a particular area or for a marketing manager, instead of this big marketing Mary persona, it's just like, I need help with LinkedIn. That's the job to be done. Okay, the audience, I've got that in mind. I'm going to write messaging around it and targeting. So the job title might come into the nitty-gritty of the targeting, but the job to be done is what's focused on. And so I guess I just wanted to offer that up to listeners. I've found it useful. Uh, Maybe you have. And perhaps if you'd be so kind, I'd love listeners to reply to our, our weekly show notes, email, and how they approach it. Personas is one of these things that everyone's got an opinion on, well, including me, obviously, and I've never found a a perfect model. And I guess my final comment on this is that it doesn't apply everywhere because in some industries, you can very easily break them up just on some job titles or age groups, even just a demographic. That can be fine for some industries, but others where they're complex problem sets and you're solving one part of it, then a jobs-to-be-done approach might be for you. All right, on to our insight of the week, Craig. Thoughtful content is driving purchase intent. And this is an article I sent you, right? You sent me this on the Doist site uh, regarding makers versus managers. Yeah. I thought this was such an excellent piece of content. 
I'll mention what it's about, but actually that's irrelevant to the point that I'm making. It was actually about staff returning to the office or not and how the goals of makers, you know, creators, people making stuff are often at odds with managers. And so I'm not actually going to talk about that topic as such, but what I am going to say is I found it such an interesting read. It's not pushing any product or anything, but it was such an interesting read that at the end I was like, who's this company? What do they do? Yeah. Oh, and then I went onto their main site and I was looking at their products, which I've actually used before, Todoist and also Twist. I hadn't used Twist, but Todoist I've used before. Uh, Really good to-do list. But then I was like, right. And so then I went down a rabbit hole, also known as a customer journey, Ian, (laughs) of looking at their Twist product, which is a Slack alternative. Right. And then they had some posts around how makers can use twist and how it has various benefits over slack you know feeding out noise and making it a lot more creation specific i was like wow this is fascinating and by the end of it i i don't know how long i've spent half an hour 45 minutes going through the site and everything now i'm looking at features i'm actually in purchase intent wow i'd gotten from not knowing much well i had heard of the company before not knowing much about them to reading a piece of content that I thought was very useful and got me thinking, to then looking at their product and then to the point where I am really positively inclined towards this product Mm. in the space of less than an hour, right? And possibly even handing over. I was actually going to set up a trial. I haven't done it yet, so I haven't actually got over the line. But I never thought it would be that quick. And I am starting to see this more often. And I'm trying to think about it. Well, how quick am I to make a decision? Because this would affect our company, right? This is like a company platform. This is not just a, a quick purchase for me personally. I'm like, wow, it's got me to purchase intent on a B2B purchase through some excellent content. And I'm pretty sure if I saw nonstop ads for them prior to this, I would never have clicked on one. Yeah. But now, if and I hope they retarget me on Twitter. We'll see. If I see an ad for them, I'm more than likely to come through and read more of their content and go even closer to purchase. So there's no nothing particularly insightful here. It's more just a reflection on my own behavior and how content is still so powerful. We're drowning in content, and yet here's an example of where it actually pushed me down the funnel. And you're quite right, Craig, in saying that when I read the piece of content, I was like, wow, I really enjoyed reading it. And it was from a friend who had started using it and found the app very useful to him. And then he just shared the content with me. And I was like blown away by it. And that's why I share with you and thought to myself, wow, even I need to change something in the way I do when we are in creative mode. It talks a lot about even about how people operate in a physical office space and how things are laid out. And it really got me thinking about how we value our time and how we use it to create new things. So it was definitely very well done. All right, onto HubShot's throwback of the week, Craig. You know, it was only a year ago that they added themes to the app marketplace. Yes, I can believe that. Seems like forever. I know. And it's taken, uh, and actually, you know, one thing that they did that was really interesting with the launch of the themes in the marketplace was they had a challenge for people to build themes and they have have a winner in, they have, a, I think they've got a couple of winners in the marketplace for those themes. And I think that really drove a lot of engagement and a lot of delivery of themes to the to the marketplace, which has been really great. 
All right, on to our resource of the week, and this is an SEO checklist. Another good one. Yeah, look, there's tons of them. Um, we've we've mentioned SEMrush before, so um, this is Ahrefs and also Moz. So I'm not going to go through this, but just mention they're all good. They're all good. Pick one. So listeners, I, I think one thing I do want to say about this checklist, and there it is in the show notes. So if you haven't signed up, please sign up. It's really nice. So you can print it out and you can stick it on your wall or put it in your calendar every quarter or every month of some things you need to do. Actually, you could even create this into a project in your project system to check these tasks off uh, periodically or every month as you do things. And I think this will help you greatly in making sure your site is working at an optimal level. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. Oh, another good piece of content I came across. Jason Crawford in a post called Precognition. Nothing related to marketing and such, but talking about how people in general are many steps behind. And when we see someone that's maybe only one or two steps behind, we almost think they're a visionary. They can see the future. No, they're just not as far behind as everyone else. So his quote is, in some fantasy worlds, there are superheroes with precognition, the ability to see the immediate future. They're always one step ahead. But since most people are a few steps behind reality, you don't need precognition. You just need independent thinking. I thought this was really good because what you need to do is just read and think. And you can read his post because he gives a good example of how some people did that with COVID. Not particularly future tellers, but just thinking about the current state. And then he positions it as risk versus reward. Because some people might have taken a small risk with much upside. So they might have said, well, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID, but I'm going to take the risk of whatever, not meeting people, wearing a mask. I didn't know at that stage it was or wasn't going to help, but it's a risk. And so as long as the upside is there, it's worth taking. So worth reading. And that's the quote. All right, listeners, we have some bonus links. And the first one is that Damesh blogs about customer experience. And we did talk about this in shot seven a little while ago, didn't we, Craig? Oh, yeah, the product is the is your marketing. That's right. Yeah, we chatted about that. Um, but yeah, Damesh, he's talking about the Netflix experience, which is always a good example, and frictionless experiences focused on the customer. I think it's a good post. Go and read it. That's right. I think you also talked about the iPad, and I was I was uh, I was reminded of an iPad ad I've been seeing on TV recently, uh, comparing people with that have computers that are tied to desks, and they look out the window and they see people with iPad Pros, free, you know, interacting with the screen, interacting with the device, getting their work done. They've got smiles on their face, and they're out in nature. And I thought, oh, there you go. There's a frictionless. Oh, well, that's that's a snapshot of reality right that's there. That's right. It was very well done. So, well worth a read. Because I think one thing I, li- I love listening to about Damesh and Brian and lots of people within HubSpot is they're trying to take away the friction of the products that we're using. And just to get insight into their thought process about how they're doing it, who they're talking to, how they're learning new things is very, very insightful. And we also have a Steve Jobs anecdote. And that I must say, that was such a good anecdote. Listeners, if you haven't read it, you have to read it. 
It's all in the show notes, hubshots.com slash subscribe. There's a few others there, but I just want to move us on to shot 13 as we close out, Ian. See this screenshot, uh, which I took from someone on Twitter. They're using Bing. <laughs> and can you spot the ads in that screenshot of some Bing results? <laughs> Your pause and silence speaks volumes. I'm lost, Craig. The first two results are ads. Really? Yeah, you can't tell. Oh, yeah, that really, really tiny grey ad. ad. description. <laughs> yeah, it's Bing. Oh, man, they're the worst. Imagine if Google did that. you got to see this, folks. Go to the show notes. Total outrage, Craig. Wow. Wow. Who yeah. would have thought? There you go. Making that experience better, aren't we? Well, listeners, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to share it with somebody on your team, share it with somebody that you know, and also... Sign up for the show notes at hubshots.com. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips, and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.